Since we've been discussing the rule of Chazaka, that we can assume that the status of something continues to be what it has been until now, Mishnah adds one more application of this rule. One who sets aside produce in order to use them and to separate from them Truma and Maiseris, various tithes, meaning there are certain situations where one wants to eat something, but the tithes have not yet been separated from it. So there's one option of separating the tithes from that produce itself, and then eating the rest of it. But in particular situations where he wishes to eat all of that produce, so he can separate the tithes from different produce. A different pile of produce, as long as the produce is similar, he can separate tithes from one pile of produce on behalf of the other pile as well. In general, one is only able to do this if the two piles are in front of him and they're next to each other when he does this. That's known as the halacha of minhamukov. That if one is separating tithes from one pile of produce for another, it can only be done if they are next to each other. However, in certain scenarios, there are leniencies that it doesn't need to be done minhamukov. So we're talking about such a case, and this person now has a pile of produce in front of him, and he says that that pile in my house where I set aside another pile of produce over there, I'm now designating part of that as trumus and maestros, as the various tithes for the produce which is in front of me now. So ideally he cannot do this because the produce which he is, tithe, which he is separating tithes from is not in front of him, but in a situation where he does do this and where it does work, so that is the discussion in our Mishnah. Or Mois, if he set aside money in a particular place, Leos Mafshalen Maisashani, to separate Maisashani for them, meaning if he has Maisashani produce, Maisashani is a tithe which one doesn't give to somebody else, rather he is required to bring it up to Yerushalayim and eat it himself there in Yerushalayim. But there is an option of redeeming that produce onto money, and then bringing the money up to Yerushalayim and spending the money on food over there. So if he wishes to do so, the scenario which we're discussing in our Mishnah is where he has money not in front of him, but he set aside money elsewhere, and he's now got produce in front of him, and he says that this produce I am redeeming onto the money which I set aside elsewhere. Says the Mishnah, He can separate the tithes or the redeem the Maishani, assuming that they still exist, that the money or the produce which he set aside in that place are still there. He hasn't seen them in a while, but he assumes that they're still in the place where he put them. The principle of Chazaka allows him to make that assumption. Now what happens in a case where Imovdu, if he lost them, meaning he went and checked if they were there and indeed they were missing, so they could have been missing from any time. Did they go missing a week ago? Did they go missing now? Says the Mishnah, He needs to be concerned for a period of 24 hours, that they had been gone for 24 hours, so any tithes which you might have separated within that 24 hours, those would not be valid. That is the opinion of Rabbi Lozman Shamua. The mission doesn't record it, but the Chachon argue, and they hold that he needs to be concerned that they were missing since the last time he saw them. Once he sees that he can no longer rely on the Chazaka, because indeed they're not there, so now already he has to be concerned from the beginning, and he has to be concerned that They've been missing since he last saw them, so any tides which he would have separated during that time would be invalid and he would have to separate again. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, in a case where somebody separated, he designated wine in a particular place, so that when he wants to separate the tides from wine, he'll rely on this wine and separate it from here. Meaning an identical case to what we've been discussing until now in the Mishnah, just regarding wine. Now wine, when left for a long time, can turn into vinegar. It can turn sour, and once that has happened, one cannot separate vinegar as tithes on behalf of wine. 
The question is, can he assume that it hasn't turned into vinegar? How often does he have to check? So Rabbi Yehuda says, There are three times, three periods, points in time, where somebody needs to check the wine to make sure that it hasn't turned into vinegar. And that is at the time when it's common for the wine to turn into vinegar. And that is because the eastern wind which exists right after Sukkot, the time of the season where the bud of the grapes on the vine start to come out. And thirdly, the time of the season where of water and moisture enters the unripe grapes, they become slightly moist. So at these three points in the seasons, it is more common for wine to turn into vinegar. So at these times, he needs to check the wine to make sure it's not vinegar. But other than that, he can rely on the chazoka that it is still wine and separate tithes from there on behalf of something else, on other wine. We now go back to the discussion of one who sends a messenger to deliver the get to his wife. And Misha tells us that one who sends a get to his wife with a messenger, and then he met the messenger by chance before the messenger had fulfilled his job of delivering the get. Or the husband sent a messenger after the first messenger, and he told him, The get which I gave you should be nullified. I'm cancelling the get. Now the get itself, it's not, uh, it doesn't make sense to cancel the get itself. But he means that I'm cancelling your appointment to deliver the get. Bottle, the appointment is indeed cancelled, and if the messenger still goes and delivers the get to the wife, it's meaningless and she will not be divorced. Even though in the first case the husband met him by chance, so he might have thought that he's not being serious over here to cancel the get, nevertheless, since at the end of the day he said that he wants to cancel it, so he is being serious. And in the second case, the Mishnah is coming to tell us that even though we have a rule of Shluchish on Kamoisai, that somebody who appoints a messenger, the messenger becomes like him, the husband is still able to cancel that messenger. And the second messenger the husband sends is, as it were, stronger than the first messenger, because he is cancelling out the first messenger. Alright, next case, Kodam Eitzel Ishto. What happens if after he sent a messenger to deliver the get to his wife, the messenger has not yet given her the get, and the husband proceeds to get to his wife before the messenger gets there. Or he sent a messenger to his wife before the other messenger reached the wife with the get. And he says to her that get the get which I sent to towards you, which is on its way, should be nullified and cancelled. It is indeed cancelled, and even if she then receives the get after that, it would she wouldn't be considered divorced. However, if he tells her this, or his new messenger tells her this after the get has already reached her, then he's no longer able to cancel or nullify the get since she's already divorced. So it's certainly too late to cancel the divorce once she's already divorced. And the Gemara explains this is even in a case where let's say she saw him running towards her before she took the get from his messenger. But she didn't quite know what he was doing, that it was anything to do with the get. So she took the get and then the husband arrived and she understood that what he wanted to do all along and the reason why he was running is to cancel the get. Even in that case, since at the end of the day he didn't cancel it, until after she had received the get, she's already divorced, and it's too late to cancel that divorce. 
which is the base. But Shaina originally had a base in Mokum Acher. The husband would the husband would set up a base then in a different place, not where not where his wife was, not where his messenger was. If he sent a messenger to divorce his wife and he changed his mind, so he would set up a base then. There's a discussion in the Gemara whether it means a real basin of three judges or perhaps just two regular people is enough. But he would set up this base then and he'd make a statement in front of them and cancel the get cancel the appointment of the messenger to deliver the get, and that would work. And then if the messenger would still deliver the get to his wife, she wouldn't be divorced because he had cancelled it. However, his Gamliel Hazokain instituted not to do this. He decreed against setting up a basin in order to nullify the get, not in front of the messenger or the woman. Which literally means because of fixing up the world. Meaning there was a big concern involved. And that is that the woman wouldn't know that the divorce was not valid. She wouldn't know that it was cancelled. If let's say there's only two people, this person announced in front of two people and he's cancelling the get. That matter's not going to get publicised. Only these two people know about it. And the messenger meanwhile delivered her the get. She thinks she's divorced. She'll go and marry somebody else. And in reality, she's really still married to her original husband. And therefore, Amigurial Hazokin instituted and decreed that this was not able to be done. If one did do it, then at the end of the day, he nullified the get. There's nothing we can do about it. But Rabbi Gamliel forbade doing this. Now, because of what we just mentioned now, the rest of the Perek brings lots of other examples which are much less related to the Masechta of things which were decreed which again literally means fixing the world, and it means that there was a big concern involved that was the cause and reason for this decree, as we'll see many examples now. But Shaina originally, they would change his name or her name in the get, or Shem Irovi Shem Ira, the name of his city and the name of her city. Meaning, if there were different names, let's say they were known as different things. In different places, people knew them as different names, or even the locations in which they were in had different names. Originally, they would write one of the names, the main name, which they went by in the get, and the get was certainly valid, because that is one of their names. However, the Hizkin Gamliel Hazokain, Rabbi Gamliel Hazokain instituted Sheyehikosev, that they would write in the get, Ishploini v'cholshem sheyeshloi. So and so, and any name which he has, meaning they would list all of the names which the man has, which he goes by in different places, different people know him by different names, and Ishaplain is Khoshum Shiyashla, they would write that woman's name and every other name which she has as well. Because of Tikan Ailam, and over here the concern is that if she goes to a different location and she's known as something else, so people might think that it's an invalid get, and if she meanwhile remarried somebody else and had children, then other people might claim that her children are mamzerim, which means they're born from forbidden relations. It can cause people to think that she's still married and that the get is invalid. So to avoid such a thing occurring, Rabbi Gamaliel Hazakein decreed that all of her names should be written inside the get. Mishnah Gimel, when a man marries a woman, he needs to write a document known as a kasuba, which states the conditions of the marriage, and the main part of the kasuba is the husband's acceptance that if she is widowed or divorced from him, then she will receive a certain amount of money from his possessions. Now the truth is, if during their marriage she decided that she wanted to receive her kasuba early, she wanted to, let's say, buy a particular thing, or perhaps she wanted to receive part of her kasuba early, then she was able to do so. 
And because of that, in a widow may not collect money for Kasuba from the property of her husband, which has now been inherited by the orphans, by her husband's sons, unless she swears that she has not yet received her Kasuba. Because otherwise it could be that she's received like Sibyl already and now she's lying and pretending that she hasn't in order to receive more money and more property. However, later on, Nimn Umil Hashbir, the Chachomim and the Beistin, withheld themselves from making her make a Shavua. They didn't allow her to make a Shavua, which by extension meant that they weren't able to collect the Kasuba at all. Because in order to do so they would need to swear, but the Beistin said that they can't swear. Why not? Because they were very concerned that she might have received part of her Kasuba. But she'll say to herself, I've taken care of the house and these orphans for so many years, and I've done so much, I, I deserve the full kasuba, even though I've received part of it. Really, I should, I'm really entitled to the full amount again, because of all of that I have done. And so she would swear that she hasn't received her kasuba, and that she is entitled to the full kasuba. But really, this is a full shavua, which is a very severe avera. And therefore the Basin did not want her to make a full Shavua, and so they said that she can't make a Shavua, but that meant that she couldn't receive her Kasuba. And therefore Hiskin and Gamliel Hazokin and Gamliel Hazokin instituted Shitahene Deres Laisoyim Komashiyiritsu. That she should make a Neder, a vow which prohibits um, her to benefit from a particular item. So she should make a vow to the orphans on whatever they want. So they can say, make a Neder against benefiting from a particular food if you haven't received your Kasuba. Sorry, if you have received your kasuba. She says, if I receive my kasuba, then I'm making a neder not to benefit from such and such a thing. So now she's not just making an oath about what happened, whether she did and didn't receive the kasuba. Rather, she's saying that if I did receive part of it, I'm now forbidding on myself a number of things. So now she's much less likely to lie, because she knows that every time she's going to eat that food, she's violating the neder. So she'll be much less, less likely to make a claim that she hasn't received her kasuba, because that would prohibit her with this nether. And therefore she would be trusted when she makes a nether, and she'd be able to receive her kasuba. The kasuba she'll collect her kasuba. Now we have seen a couple of times so far an argument as to who the main witnesses are when it comes to the process of a divorce. Is it the witnesses who sign in the get? Edechasima karti. We say that the witnesses who sign in the get are the ones who establish and affect the divorce. Or is it the Ede Masira, the witnesses who see the giving over of the get from the man to the woman? We're going to understand that the next part of the Mishnah goes according to the opinion that Ede Masira Karti, the main witnesses who are necessary and who affect the divorce, are the ones who witness the giving over of the get. And according to that opinion, why is it that witnesses sign in the get itself? If the witnesses who are necessary are the ones who see the giving over of the get, why are there witnesses who also sign in the get? The answer is, Witnesses sign in the get because of Tikkun Oilam. Because otherwise, it could be that the witnesses who saw the giving over of the get might die, and then the woman will have no proof that she was divorced. So then they can rely on the witnesses who signed inside the get as mere proof. Alright, now the next example of Tikkun Oilam concerns Shmita. Shmita is once every seven years. It's forbidden to work the land for an entire year. And the Torah says that at the end of that Shmita year, all loans are cancelled. If somebody borrowed money from somebody else and he hasn't repaid it by the end of the Shmita year, he doesn't need to repay it again. And all loans are cancelled. Now, as you can imagine, as it got closer to the end of Shmita, people were much less likely to be willing to lend money to anybody else because they know that as soon as the end of Shmita arrives, the loan will be cancelled and they won't receive their money back. 
Now, if somebody asks you for a loan and you refuse it and you're in a position where you're able to give them that money, the Torah warns severely against this. And so Hillel, in order to make sure people would still be willing to lend money, Hillel Hiskin Prusbal, he instituted something known as the Prusbal, and they take an oilam because they take an oilam to fix this issue. What is a Prusbal? A Prusbal is a document where one sort of writes over his loans and the rights to his loans to based in. Although Schmitter cancels people's loans, it doesn't cancel loans of the based in. So a principle is where one gives over his loans to the based in, and as such it won't be cancelled when it comes to the end of Schmitter, and that way people would still lend money as it got nearer to that time.